0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Just wait on the Spirit the Spirit of God will tell you what to do. The Spirit of God, just wait on the Holy Spirit, you see? And that's why Satan hasn't been able to stop the church because we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) Let me tell y'all something, let me tell you a little secret. We do not know what we're doing here at Calvary Chapel. Okay, maybe it isn't a secret, I don't know. You know why? Hey, let me tell you something. Because we we, honestly, I'm just waiting on the spirit. Week in and week out. Saturday, I told you guys I'm home. Lord, what do you want to do tomorrow? Lord, what do you want to say tomorrow? God, how do you want us to do this? Lord, if you want us to change our plans, hey, the church belongs to Jesus. The church does not. That sign outside does not say Rodney Chapel. Thank God, because that sounds ugly anyway. It's just saying it don't fit. You know, it's not. It says Calvary Chapel. It, it's it, it's it's all about Calvary. See, it's it Calvary. It's all about it's his church. It's not my church. And because it's not my church, then it's incumbent on me to get myself in the presence of the Holy Spirit and say, God, what do you want to do with your church? Jesus said, upon this rock, I shall build what, saints? Well, if we know that, then how can we don't act like that? With the board of elders, with the congregational votes. <laughs> Better organize, strategize, to direct and lead in the church. Yeah, you got to have a little organization. I mean, the church is going to grow, and it's going to be a lot of people. And you got to have a little bit of structure. But let's not suffocate the church. You see, the secret, the secret is to be led by the spirit. Amen, saints. Be led by the spirit, led by the spirit. When Jesus tells you to do something, then you do it. When Jesus tells you, hey, get out the boat and walk, then get out the boat and walk. When Jesus tells me, tells you, give me my lunch or give me that lunch. Cause I got 5,000 people to feed. Give it to him. Whatever he tells you to do. You do it. Well, look at verse twelve, if you're still with me, say amen. Well then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey, or that's about a three quarter mile walk. And when they had entered in verse thirteen, they went up into the upper room where there were where they were staying. And who was there? Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew. James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the son of James. These, pardon me, in verse 14, all continued with what, saints? One accord in prayer and supplication. Supplication is like deep, earnest desire in prayer, you know, deep prayer. They continue in one accord. Would you circle that? In prayer and in supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary, the mother of who? Jesus was with them, with his brothers. Now, the disciples, give me your attention, they come down from the Mount of Olives. And it's interesting because Jesus, we already know, he leaves from the Mount of Olives. Now, Zechariah chapter 14, write this in the margin of your Bibles. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4 says, When Jesus returns, it will be a glorious appearing. Guess where? on the Mount of Olives. Zechariah tells us not only will Jesus come back and he's going to place his right foot and his left foot on the Mount of Olives, and when that happens, the mountain is going to split. That's what Zechariah tells us. So it's interesting that he was taken up in a cloud out of their sight from the Mount of Olives, and Zechariah tells us he will descend in a cloud into their sight to the Mount of Olives. Now, when you go to Israel... In a couple of months, we're going to go back to Israel. And um, on the Mount of Olives, listen to me, on the Mount of Olives, there's a church. And this church is known as the Church of the Ascension. And you are charged an admission fee to come into this church. Whatever. Oh, I don't know. They do that in churches in the United States too, so. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> nope, we're not going to do that. But get this. Inside the Church of the Ascension is a rock. And in this rock is a footprint in it, and this is where they say that Jesus blasted off from. I can kidding you. It was and obviously it was so much thrust when he lifted off, Then he left a footprint in the rock. This is in this church. And so two angels showed up and they said, men of Galilee, why are you staggered? Why are you stunned? Why are you shocked? Isaac Newton said, was it Isaac Newton who said, what goes up must come down. Was that Isaac Newton? Oh, y'all don't even know. Whatever. We'll say it's Isaac Newton. What goes up must come down. The angels are saying the same thing. They're saying, hey, why are you standing here gazing? What went up? Jesus is going to come down in like manner. Now, why did Jesus ascend into heaven? Let me give you three quick and might I add brief, quick reasons why Jesus ascended into heaven. You're writing these down. Number one, Jesus ascended into heaven to prepare a place for you. Do you know? Did somebody tell you? Jesus, for 2,000 years, has been in heaven preparing the place where you're going to live. You're talking about a building project. I'm talking 2,000 years. You think your house is nice and caring? Where do you live? All right. I picked on Garner people last week, so I got to pick on somebody else. Nice house all over trying. actually. Anyway, so. But it ain't nothing compared to the house you're gonna be living in in heaven, saints. Jesus has been building that place, he's gone to prepare a place for you. He says, And when I come, I'm gonna come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. So, why did Jesus ascend into heaven? Number one, to prepare a place. Number two, you're taking notes. Number two, to plead our case. Jesus ascended into heaven to plead our case. In other words, we're here on earth and we still have the enemy. Of the flesh to deal with. We fail. We blow it. Satan the accuser stands day and night. The Bible says to accuse the brethren. But Jesus is in heaven. To not accuse us. But to excuse us. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is in heaven. When you sin. He's pleading the blood over your life. Father you see the blood. Jesus father I died. And my blood was shed for that sin. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you. He's our advocate. He's our lawyer. He Ascended to plead our case. Hebrews chapter 7, to verse 25 tells us he ever lives to make intercession for us. And then finally, Jesus ascended into heaven to provide us with power. To provide us with power. So the disciples go down the Mount of Olives, across the Kidron Valley, and back up to Jerusalem to the upper room where they're staying. This is probably the same upper room where they had the Last Supper. It's probably the same upper room where Jesus breathed on them in John chapter 20 to receive the Holy Spirit. And notice who's in the upper room. It's just a crowd of failing, faithless, faulty, and frayed individuals. Peter, who who denied the Lord. John and James, who asked for front row seats in the kingdom. Thomas, the doubter, is there. Matthew the tax collectors there, Simon the zealot, Jesus' brothers who mocked him and laughed at him and didn't believe in him before he died, they're there. Notice this group of men weren't perfect performers, they were dependent believers. You see, God always pours his spirit out, not on perfect performers, but on dependent believers. These are the kind of people that God empowers. And I want you to notice these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. That's probably Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany. Remember Mary and Martha? They're probably there. Martha's probably in the kitchen cooking. That's why me and her, we'd be homies, <laughs> tight, she's cooking, I like to eat, it's nice. She's probably there. Mary, Jesus' mother was there. Did you notice that? Jesus' mom was there. Now in the New Testament, this is very important for you to understand. In the New Testament, this is the last time you see Mary in the New Testament. And notice what Mary, the mother of Jesus, was doing when she was seen last. Did you notice that? She is waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary is one of the disciples making prayer and supplication. Did you notice they are praying, watch this, with Mary, not to Mary. Now, my following comment, you know I like the preface. I spent many years in Catholic Church, was confirmed in Catholic Church. I was baptized Catholic, went to Catholic school, and I was taught that we should pray to Mary. I was taught that Mary is a co-redeemer with Christ. They call that co-redemptress. We don't see that in Scripture. We don't see that in Scripture. Yes, I believe that Mary is blessed among women, but I do not believe that Mary is blessed above women and i also believe that mary probably has a special place in the kingdom of god i mean think about it if, if 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 you controlled heaven and the kingdom of god and and you were on the throne in the kingdom wouldn't you hook your mom up It's just reason for me. I don't know about y'all. But let me tell you something. My mom, Gertrude, that's my mother. Y'all need to say amen. You know that's right. Y'all be like, look, y'all get out of my way. My mom's coming. Part. Mom coming through. Gertrude coming through. So I believe, don't misunderstand me, I believe that, that Mary has a great place in heaven. When I get there, I'll tell you, I'm going to say, oh, I got to find Mary. I got to find her. Because i got to ask her, I want to know if Jesus went through the terrible twos. (laughs) got to know. So I'm sure that she's blessed among women. But she certainly is not blessed above women. Well, look at verse 15. If you're there, say amen. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Peter, see, the leadership is already happening in the early church. Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120. So we have 120 people gathered in one accord. Men and brethren, he said, the scripture, underline this, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit, underline that, spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who were arrested, who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of sin and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all of his guts came gushing out. Thanks, Peter, for the details. That's just gross. And it became known to all those who dwell in Jerusalem so that field is called in their own language a keldama. That is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. And where is it written? Psalm 69, if you're taking notes, verse 25. And Psalm 109, verse 8. Let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two. they put two names in a pot. Joseph called Barsavis, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all. Mm. God knows your heart. Show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, which means he chose to sin, fell that he might go. To his own place. I have chilling written next to my Bible there. Because that's a chilling comment. That he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. Apparently, as the disciples gathered together, waiting in prayer, waiting in praise, gathered in one accord, in unity, God loves unity. Notice when the Holy Spirit fell, when they were gathered in one accord and unified in prayer. Interesting. The Holy Spirit will fall on us when we are gathered in one accord and unified and our hearts are praying. He'll fall on us as well. So they are gathered together in one accord in prayer and praise And obviously from the text, the question came up, what about Judas? We need to replace Judas. Now remember, Judas is dead at this point. So there are 11 disciples left and they needed 12. Why did they need 12? Two quick answers for you. Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, it says this. Assuredly, I say to you that in the generation when the son of man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, Jesus said, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Also, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 14, now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles. Of the lamb. So why 12? In a fulfillment of scripture. But notice the question arises about Judas. And Peter stood up and said the scriptures have been fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke before the mouth of David. Now I want to point out two quick things about verse 16 that you absolutely cannot miss. Notice number one that the scriptures has to be fulfilled. In other words, listen, the early church believed in the infallibility of the scriptures. Now you can believe what you want to believe about the infallibility and the inerrancy of scripture. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but don't tell us what the early church believed. Because we know what the early church believed. They believed in the infallibility of Scripture. They said it. The Scripture had to be fulfilled. If you understand that, say amen. Amen. That's huge. Point number two, they believed that not only the Scriptures had to be fulfilled, but the Scriptures were inspired from the Holy Spirit. They believed that the the Scriptures came down from the holy men of God, wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so Isaiah is writing. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes we were healed. And Isaiah is thinking, man, who is that? What is that? I don't understand that. But he's writing that because he was inspired and moved by the Holy Spirit. So they believed in the infallibility of Scripture, and they also believed that all Scripture was God-breathed. Notice the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David. And then notice it says in verse 18, Judas Iscariot was numbered with the transgressors. Now, critics love to point this Scripture out to you. They say, aha, see, the Bible is wrong. There's contradictions in the Bible. You see, Judas fell... Head first and burst open and all of his guts came pouring out. And then Matthew they say, oh Matthew says that Judas hanged himself. So there's a contradiction they say. Listen, there's no contradiction. What is it, Rodney? It's both. Is both. Judas went out, tied a rope around his neck and hung himself. And if you go to this field called Akel, you'll see there is an area with many cliffs. So Judas goes and he takes him, put a rope around his neck. He hung himself. He's swinging there and the branch breaks and he falls headlong and he popped open. Ill. Both. There's no contradiction at all. What you have is a fuller account of of the story, putting the gospel and acts together. That's all. Judas Iscariot. You know, I love kids and I love kids say funny things. Kids say, fun. you can learn some deep theology from kids. Listen to this little story. One child responded to a question they asked at BBS regarding Judas' betrayal of Jesus. The question was, who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver? Well, without hesitating, a seven-year-old named Kenny replied, I know, I know, it was Judas the scariest. <laughs> Get it? Is Iscariot the scariest? I like kids. And so people have asked me, Pastor Rodney, was Judas saved? Is Judas in heaven? Ah, I tell you, unequivocally, undoubtedly, no. Judas was not saved. Judas is not in heaven. How do you know, Rodney? How can you speak so boldly? Well, it's in John chapter 6, verse 70. Jesus said, did I not choose you, the 12, and one of you is the devil? Matthew chapter 28, verse 40 says it would have been better for Judas not to have been born. And then notice in our text, they had to choose another to take his office to replace him. Then that tells us clearly that Judas was lost forever. Why? Because when James was martyred, James died. And guess what? They didn't replace him. When the other apostles were martyred and died, they didn't replace them. In the 12 foundation stones, their names were written. But this man, Judas, willfully and by transgression turned away from the Lord. And notice who would fill the position. They had two requirements, verse 21 and 22. They had to be, have, have been with the other disciples all the time, and they were with Jesus, and they had to be a witness of his resurrection. And they came up with two candidates. Did you notice that? Jo- Joseph, Sabas, and Matthias. In other words, to select one of the two, they had to use the Old Testament system of casting lots. Look this up in your own time. It's in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. And it says the lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. You got to understand something here. Listen close. After Pentecost, after chapter one, they don't make choices by casting lots anymore. Why? You don't see it ever again after chapter one. Why? Because they had the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit will speak to them. Now all they have to do is ask him. And if they just ask him, he'll tell them. They don't cast lots anymore. And Christian, listen, you don't have to cast lots either. Christian, you don't need to know God's will. You don't need to flip a coin. To know God's will, you don't have to draw straws and watch this. To know God's will, you don't have to put out a fleece. I had so many people say to me, Pastor Rodney, I want to know God's will. And, and I'm trying to find out God's will. So what I've decided to do is I'm gonna put a fleece out before God. Just like Gideon, Pastor Rodney, he put out a fleece before God. Pastor Rodney, you know that story about Gideon put out a fleece before God? I'm like, Yeah, I'm a pastor. Of course. Yeah, well, you know, Pastor Rodney, Gideon put out a fleece before God and he discovered God's will. And so I'm going to put out a fleece before God. Listen, Christian, listen, Christian, listen, you never need to put out a fleece before God. As a matter of fact, to put out a fleece before God, watch this, is unbiblical for the New Testament Christian. It was unbiblical for the Old Testament believer. How so? Don't you know the story when Gideon put out the fleece before God? Listen, Gideon was moving in this area of a lack of faith because Gideon wouldn't believe when God said, Gideon, I'm going to give the Midianites into your hands. All I want you to do is obey me and walk in that. And Gideon did not have the faith to believe God's promises. And so Gideon put out a fleece before God. Listen, saints, you don't need to put out a feast before God. What you need to do is believe God's promises. What you need to do is ask the Holy Spirit. And he'll tell you. What you need to do is obey God's word. Because God's word is clear. Clear. You see, what happens in the church is I don't think we're willing to obey God's word. And that's why we got to come up with creative ways to find out what God wants. When God has expressly told us what he wants in his word, he's already told us. Well, I got to put out a fleece before God because I got to find out if God wants me to live with that guy or not. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger you don't need to put out a fleece before god say say amen no you don't no 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 you obey god's word and you ask the holy spirit just like they did and they discovered god's will and chose these men listen from this point on now everything is set for the coming of the holy spirit